everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Online Warriors podcast. My name is Nerd Bomber, and I am joined by my wonderful co-host and everyone's favorite tinkerer, Tactic. Hello, hello. How's it going? It's going pretty well, you know. We're missing Illegal this week, but it's, it's kind of like a date night here, you know. We're going to hold down the fort, talk about some fun nerdy stuff, you know. Are you feeling it? I am feeling it, and I'm always looking forward to what the crazy future will bring us this year. So this week, we have a jam-packed episode with a ton of nerd and pop culture news to dive into and discuss. We've got a little bit of trailer mania this week, both in the world of movies and television, so we'll be talking about the latest previews for Cruella, Mortal Kombat, Invincible, and Kevin Can F Himself. Then we're going to do kind of a 180 and discuss some video game news, talking about our key takeaways from last week's Nintendo Direct. And then last, but certainly not least, we'll be saying goodbye to musical legends Daft Punk. So Tectic, what do you say? Should we, you know, get right into it? I say, let's get right into it. I like it. I like the vibe. So last week, Disney finally unveiled the first trailer for the long-anticipated 101 Dalmatians prequel, Cruella. Much like the recent Maleficent adaptation, Cruella will be focusing on, well, you know, Cruella de Vil, obviously, and giving the infamous villain her very own origin story. The trailer gave us an extended look at Emma Stone as Cruella, who is a pretty twisted character leaning into her kind of psychotic nature. And then we also kind of get treated to a quick montage of various characters slash dogs from the original animated film and some quick clips of a lot of crazy action scenes. There's even one where Cruella's got a bottle of liquor, which is, I don't know if it's a first for a Disney movie, but I mean, I don't know if I was expecting it. I say, get it, girl. So before I get into my own opinion and a little bit of an offshooted rant, Tactic, what did you think of the trailer and the concept of Cruella as a whole? So Cruella as a whole, I don't really like, but the Cruella that they showed in the trailer seemed like a very, very different person than what we're used to. The perspective that they gave us seemed less of a, I kill animals for clothing and more of a, I'm a revolutionary designer ready to make changes in a stale industry, which I thought that was a good twist. I thought it showed an empowering, strong, innovative woman ready to really blow the doors open in her industry. See, I was getting kind of like Harley Quinn vibes or maybe like a, and I wouldn't go so far as to call it like full on Joker, but it kind of gave me like kind of Joker vibes, you know, where she's just kind of crazy. No, I think there's definitely more to peel back that onion and, and, and see what's going on there. Because think about all of these villain perspective movies. They make you feel for them. They They try to put a different perspective that doesn't just go crazy. You know, was she hurt somehow? Was she really just a good person? And then something happened where it just flipped a switch. I mean, think about the Joker, for example. You brought that up and it's a great example. All it takes is one really bad day. So I think it is interesting because like you said, Maleficent and all of the Maleficent movies, they basically did. They showed her, obviously she's a villain and she turns out to be a villain in pretty much all of Disney lore, but they actually give her a really compelling backstory, how she's more of a misunderstood villain. And that's one of the things I'm personally really interested to see here because I was a huge 101 Dalmatians stan as a kid before stan was even a phrase that people on the internet used to defined fandoms like i'm talking about literally had 101 dalmatian stuffed animals every dalmatian merchandise that you could imagine existed i had on my christmas list my parents got for me all that kind of stuff i was 
obsessed because I was so obsessed and especially from like the dog perspective I don't know how you can make Cruella DeVille a redeemable character and that's what I'm kind of interested to see here because ultimately she's a dog murderer so like how do you spin that to make her likable so hang on you being a 101 Dalmatians Disney aficionado would you actually say that they said she wants to kill those dogs or she wants to duplicate their beautiful fur okay fair but she also then hatches a scheme to kidnap a bunch of puppies because the puppy fur was better than even like adult dalmatian fur and you know what like she was that knew said? what she was doing I, I, I don't recall it's been a while since i've seen that movie Did she, she definitely s- had hatched a plan with her henchmen to kidnap puppies to make fur coats like that Theory, was the plan misunderstood she wanted to observe and scan them and not hurt them so that she can make a unique design slash variable design. Each puppy was unique in its own way. So so this way it just gave her this whole repertoire to pull from. The thing though is that this was all in like the 80s and the 90s and I don't know if that technology existed. She just wanted to study them, okay? She can do her own revolutionary techniques. I mean, here's the other thing. There was some voodoo magic i don't know what i want to call it when she entered the room and her dress just like changed and transformed so she's definitely down with technology it's not a it's really just a hop skip and a jump to say that she can figure something out to make synthetic replica of the dog dalmatian fur getting into more into the trailer what did you think of emma stone as cruella and like did it meet your expectations, exceed your expectations? Like, what did you think Emma Stone would be like as a Cruella? And do you think she fits the mold well? I think from a person, she fits the mold well. I think she did a good job carrying the mannerisms, carrying the strut. The accent was a, was laid on just a scooch too thick for me, but I don't hate it. So all in all, I'd give it a solid nine out of 10. Yeah, I was actually really surprised because I really enjoy Emma Stone as an actor, like at from a comedy standpoint in like La La Land, I think she's super talented. I think she brings a lot to the table. When it came to Cruella DeVille, I don't know why I was a little bit skeptical when she first was cast in the role. But ultimately, like you said, I think she kind of nailed it. Like the accent is a little bit thick and a little bit weird. But Cruella DeVille is really kind of an extra character. If you just like look at her character studies, everything she does is just so extra. And I think that kind of extra accent really fits the character super well so i honestly think that emma stone is a really good cruella and i i feel bad that once upon a time i doubted her because like i said i was i was just skeptical how she could pull it off but i think i think she will and i'm honestly really excited for this movie i would have watched it anyway because like like i said i was a weirdo who loved 101 dalmatians but like i am very pumped for this so question with when you do watch it, are you going to gather all your 101 Dalmatian swag, build a fort, and then watch it? I mean, will you let me bring all of my 101 Dalmatian swag into our house? Is it proportional to the amount of Dalmatians in that movie? Oh, like, I'm not joking. I literally had... So at one point, they had made, like, a, a Dalmatian either figure or stuffed animal, some kind of toy for pretty much every single Dalmatian. There was even a McDonald's like um, the Happy Meal toys where every single Dalmatian was an option. And kid you not, like 
I, my poor parents, they literally were like running around town trying to locate every single Dalmatian for me because you know how you could like request certain Happy Meal toys? I was that brat. And that was my only thing, like the Beanie Baby things. I never really got on that trend where I had to like hound for Happy Meals and get specific ones. But 101 Dalmatians, man, that was my jam. All right. So then I will allow it because I want to see that you have 101 Dalmatians and bonus points if you have more than 101. I feel like I do because I definitely have some like off-brand Dalmatians, if that makes sense. Like definitely not licensed anything. They were just Dalmatians that some off-brand made to pick up on the trend. I even had, there's an adorable picture of me somewhere. And I know this is a tangent, but this is my last tangent on this. There is an adorable picture of me head to toe, 101 Dalmatians, had a 101 Dalmatian hat, 101 Dalmatian clip-on earrings. I had a 101 Dalmatian shirt, pants, socks, rollerblades, rings, necklace, and was holding a 101 Dalmatian stuffed animal in my living room. There is this photo. It exists out there in the world somewhere. My parents have it. I don't know where it is. So you've heard it here first, folks. She is a dog person, not a cat person. (laughs) I love all animals equally. So with that, Cruella is slated to release May 28th, 2021. Secondly, let's move on over to the Mortal Kombat trailer, which is action and stuff that I love. So one of two trailers on our list that I was most excited for personally was the Mortal Kombat trailer. Now this movie is coming out pretty soon. It actually releases April 16th in theaters on HBO Max, and the trailer is downright gory. It showed some of our favorite characters from the game, like Sub-Zero, Scorpion, Raiden, and of course, Fatalities. We also got a hint of the movie's backstory. It looks like we'll be living a lot of the movie through a brand new protagonist who's being called to the tournament and possibly maybe discovering the origins of the Mortal Kombat tournament as a whole. So Nerd Bomber, what did you think? I don't think I'm as big of a Mortal Kombat fan as you because... I know you gave me like a storied history of all of your time with the Mortal Kombat games. And like I've played them, but like I wasn't obsessed. But I thought this looked pretty dope. Like I know there were those Mortal Kombat movies back in the day that were pretty cheesy. And I know people love them as like a cult classic. But like if you watch them for the first time now, you're like, ooh, this could have been done so much better. And this looks like maybe an attempt for them to do so much better. The only thing that I'm really skeptical on was like the story seems a little bit weak, like in terms of the action and some of the casting and like the gore and the fatalities and stuff like that all looks super awesome. But the story like at this point, man, don't don't bother. <laughs> like It just seems like a super weak story. This MMA fighter what gets a, has a tattoo and then is one of the new people called to the Mortal Kombat tournament. Like, no, just give us like an origin story. Don't even give us a modern day plot line. I just want like an origin story. That's what I want. But I'll watch it anyway. The story is going to be the story. It's just supposed to be action, gore, blood, cool. What I struggled with was some of the iconic characters. For one, Reptile did not look like a reptile. It looked like a weird wolfman thing. And I hope that wasn't Reptile. I hope it was some other just creature that they were fighting just to kind of show a fatality on someone, which would be neat. But the biggest one and the thing that really kind of didn't sit well with me was Melania or Melania. And let me remind you who she is. She's a clone of Katana, but with the DNA also of Baraka's race, which gives her that iconic shark-like teethy mouth thing going on. 
And what we saw in the trailer was more this Joker version of her where she just got these scars on her cheeks. So I just wanted to ask her, how did she get those scars? And while it's cool to make everything more human, what does that say for one? Is there gonna, is Baraka going to be in it? Because then he's just going to be a race of people with scars on their cheeks. Well, that's lame. And two, that whole face tongue situation she's got going on is what makes her her and that's what makes her her really set apart from katana and i'm going to be disappointed if that doesn't go beyond what that has so again the story i could take it or leave it you got to have fatalities and you got to have my iconic characters that's my perspective of this that's a good point because I think the only characters that I really honed on were like, I think Sub-Zero. I didn't even really notice Scorpion was in it um, until like the girl over here, which when that played, when that was dubbed in the trailer, like that kind of gave me chills a little bit. And like Raiden, I obviously was able to pick out really easily. I think Jax was maybe the only one because they showed a fatality of Jax getting his arms ripped off, which was super brutal and gory and like not suitable for work, which so it was a good thing that... I wasn't at work when I watched this trailer. By the way, Sub-Zero's a jerk, and Scorpion is the best character in the entirety of the show, slash game, slash everything else. See, mm. so my favorite color is yellow, and I like, I channel the fire stuff. So I want to like Scorpion, but there's always been something about Sub-Zero that I've liked, and I think it's because I was so bad at the games. And like, going back and revisiting my Mortal Kombat playing days with the original, I played against my siblings who are like significantly older than me and they were just more skilled because they had more time playing video games and they were just better at it. And I was just button mashing to reckless abandon and Sub-Zero, at least I could like freeze them for a second and kind of catch up. So I always have a soft spot for Sub-Zero. But like you said, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with the iconic characters. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, the current day plot, I don't really care about. I want to see the origin story. I want to see them do these characters due diligence and explaining them and making them look right. Because this this franchise has such a big fandom. Mortal Kombat is one of the most iconic video games of all time. And I know there's like a ton of iconic video games out there, but I'm pretty sure almost everybody has heard of Mortal Kombat and knows a little bit about it. Even if you're not a gamer, it's just, it's one of those franchises that everybody knows. Everybody has a little bit of history with, even if you just saw the game at the arcade and you picked it up because it was a massive hit. So I'm just, my fingers crossed here. And everyone's got a favorite character in that game. So let us know who your favorite character is to fight as in the social medias at OW Tactic, at OW Nerd Bomber. Hell, even at OW Illegal. He'll have no idea what's going on, but he will concur with you. Or you can even hit our main show account at Online Warriors One. Those are all of our Twitter handles, and we're relatively active. I mean, I think we interact with our community a lot. It's, a, it's a, one of the greatest parts of our show i think is the little community we've built around it so definitely interact with us let us know what you think about the trailers that we're discussing today and everything like that okay so i said i had two favorite trailers out of the bunch that we're talking about today so as we pivot into tv land now i'm really excited to talk about the brand new invincible trailer invincible is the newest animated show from amazon coming to prime on march 26th and is an adaptation of Robert Kirkman's newest comic book of the same name. 
Some of you may know Robert Kirkman from his hugely popular Walking Dead franchise, but this comic and show is a much different type of story. Instead of zombies, this is a superhero story following Mark Grayson, the son of the most powerful superhero in the world, and how he grapples with his powers to find his own superhero group. He's got a superstar cast featuring Stephen Yoon, J.K. Simmons, Sandra O, oh, Mark Hamill, and Seth Rogen, among many more. And let me tell you, I am pumped. One of the main reasons that I am personally excited about this, and you guys all know this, I love adult cartoon superhero movies. And I don't mean the weird ones. I mean like ones that you can show blood. And while I love the Batman animated series when they would have fight scenes and they would do the real flash so that you couldn't really show contact and they did kind of tricky things to hide the violence, I just love straight up, don't hide it, be gruesome, be dark. That's why I'm always pumping Batman Under the Red Hood into you guys that you got to watch it because it's a great story. And this show has everything I can want. Not only does it have that human side of it where humans ha- uh, superheroes have real emotions that they're going to, it has that gritty side. And it, it kind of would be a, an animated version sort of of the boys where it's they're humans first and then they're superheroes. And it goes through that struggle and growing of each character. And I couldn't be more excited about this show. Yeah, I am actually really pumped about this normally. And like, don't get me wrong. I don't have anything against adult cartoons by any means. It's just a lot of them don't hit me the right way. Like stuff like The Simpsons, I've just never been able to get into. Dope. and. This is the kind of thing that I'm super excited about. It seems like it has something like Avatar potential, in my opinion, or maybe like the Dragon Prince potential. Something that's, yeah, okay, kids can watch it, but it's more adult oriented. And I've just, I've heard so many good things too about the comic book run on this. And I know it's relatively new, but I mean, they've been talking about this adaptation, I think since 2018. And I know even technically you've been chomping at the bit to talk about this show in some capacity over the last few months, but we haven't really had like a tangible piece of news about it, like little headlines here and there, but this is like the first tangible thing. And I have to say, this looked really, really compelling. I am super excited about this. Like you had talked about it a lot and about how excited you were and I was like eh I don't know and like I I was a big Walking Dead fan up until probably like we I don't, we tapped out I want to say like season seven or season eight sometime after the whole Negan thing I was just like mm, I'm done here Negan Negan I sorry <laughs> so when you read comics and I don't know if you do the same thing but when I read comics And I have one pronunciation of a character that I like read on the page, even after I've watched like the live action version where they're pronouncing it the way the author intended. It doesn't matter. My brain has already written in the pronunciation that I made up when I read it. That's just like what I go for. But The Walking Dead was one of the things like when Tactic, when we started dating, actually, one of the things that we bonded over was the cultural zeitgeist that was The Walking Dead because like we were finding the nerdy parts of each other slowly Zombies but surely. bring people together. Well, yeah, because it was like a show that even people who and aren't... tear them apart. That was a good one. <laughs> but it's like one of those shows where even people who weren't super nerdy could get into it. There was enough of that human element behind the characters and behind the storylines where even if you weren't a big zombie fan and you didn't care about science fiction or anything like that, like... The Walking Dead grew, 
grabbed like a whole swath of people, kind of like what Game of Thrones managed to do. And I'm really hoping that this Invincible show kind of is able to do the same thing where maybe people just stumble across it on Prime and they're like, hey, like, what is this? I know Robert Kirkman. He made The Walking Dead. I don't usually watch cartoons. Let me give this a shot. And then maybe this will be the next thing to kind of push the nerd agenda forward. Because, I mean, slowly but surely, nerd culture is taking over the world. I mean, the MCU is like the biggest franchise right now. I mean, Star Wars is maybe tied or close second, something like that. I mean, nerd culture is taking over. Illegal would roll in his grave right now. Oh, I know. <laughs> Illegal has his own opinions That's on the stupid. the top the top franchises. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited. By and, the way, he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> but even like the cast, like Steven Yeun, I'm very I don't know if I pronounced that right either. I'm very excited because I mean I loved his work, everything that he's done, everything that he's been in. I think he's a severely underrated actor who kind of got like in the public eye pigeonholed into his role as Glenn. But the other media that he's pumped out and the other acting roles he's had have been really great and I feel like underrated. And J.K. Simmons, the same thing. I mean, people know him as the farmer's insurance guy or from his various random you know, like whiplash or like bad guy roles, but he has a pretty extensive voice acting resume and man, you add Mark Hamill in there, dream team right there. So basically a long way for me to say I am pumped as well. In addition to all that, the other thing that I'm super excited for is I really enjoy the animation, like the actual style of it. It to me looks like a combination between Justice League and actually Venture Brothers the old, I don't know if you guys remember that show, but those two combined with the beautiful mating that it did, just it really resonates with me. And I'm here for it. The other thing that I'm really excited about is, like you said, you already made the comparison to the boys about how they're humans first and then superheroes. And one of the like, I, I don't like I said, I didn't read any of the comics. I don't really have a good feel for the backstory of this entire franchise right now but one of the the taglines one of the articles i was reading was that the main character ends up finding some dark secret about his father that kind of changes the way he views the world and superheroes and that's the kind of stuff that i live for like that's the kind of stuff that i really liked in the boys that's the kind of stuff that i like i like the conflicted heroes and i know time and time again like that's why you hate captain america (laughs) i was how did you know i was gonna go there but like time and time again that's the kind of stuff that hooks me there's even like there's a web serial novel called worm and it's basically the same thing it's like if you ever get a chance it's not like a published book i think the author is working on a published version of it but if you're ever just if you've got some time it's a super super long web serial but it basically explores what happens when a superhero gets derailed and accidentally becomes a villain and basically looks at the full dynamic of what makes a superhero, what makes a villain, and are the lines blurrier. And that's the kind of stuff I live for. So check out Megamind. That too. <laughs> like, it, it's so... that. It's just so much more compelling to me than stuff like Superman or Captain America, where they're just like, I'm a good guy. This is my life. You know what I mean? I don't know. What do you think, Tactic? Yeah, and, and honestly, Superman's not even a hero. He's an alien, so I don't even want to talk about him. I mean, aliens can be heroes too, but 
Yeah. That's like me having ants worship me because I'm the strongest of them all. They do. <laughs> no. Any other impressions or are we ready to move into our last trailer in the trailerific extravaganza? I'm ready to move the F on if I do say so myself. I like that segue. So for our final trailer discussion of the episode, we've got Kevin Can F Himself, the latest AMC original featuring Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek fame. So this isn't something that we normally like. This isn't necessarily nerd culture, but it's pop culture and TV stuff. And I love Schitt's Creek and I love Annie Murphy. So I want to talk about it. Now, the premise of the show here is that Annie Murphy's character is a stereotypical sitcom housewife who starts to kind of realize that she doesn't really like her husband. She doesn't like the life that she's kind of crafted for herself. And as she starts to realize this, the trailer switches tones, kind of going from like laugh track sitcom atmosphere scenes to a more realistic, like gritty revenge drama as she attempts to figure out what kind of path she wants to do moving forward. And there's no release date for the show yet, but AMC did say this show would be premiering sometime in summer 2021. And before I turn it over to Tectic, I want to say just how absolutely excited I am for this show. So first and foremost, I am one of the biggest Shit's Creek fans that you will ever meet. I don't know why it took us so long to jump on the Shit's Creek bandwagon, but once we did, I felt so hard and so fast for that show. It was insane. Like we were binging hours upon hours of Schitt's Creek episodes a day. Like it was almost gross. We would forget to shower. We would forget to eat. I would just get sucked in. I loved it. It was amazing. Everything about it. We didn't forget. We just chose not to for a while until we watched a plethora (laughs) episodes. And like just the way that those actors play off of each other and the writing and the character development, just incredible. So because I absolutely love that show and I was in a really weird show hole funk for the longest time after we finished watching the final season, I think Annie Murphy is a heckin' treasure. She's just a fantastic actor. I mean, her character in Schitt's Creek really evolves and she manages to bring so many different aspects and depth to an otherwise kind of simplistic character that you meet. And a lot of that character, I think, is because of the depth that she was able to bring to it. So I'm just super excited to see what she can do with this new format and genre. And I also want to point out, and we'll talk about this later in our What Are You Up To? The concept of swapping between the sitcom and the drama slash kind of real show thing is really creative. And we've seen that it already works with WandaVision. So I think now if you can apply this to a more real world scenario, like tearing down the boundaries around the traditional sitcom wife, I think it's a really neat place to try to experiment with this format. So I'm really excited. I know I'll be tuning in. Tactic, what sort of vibes were you getting from this trailer? So honestly, I wasn't sure how to feel with this. It seemed like it'd be fun at times, but also gave me kind of weird vibes at times. And I, after watching it, I, I really didn't know where I sat with it. To me, it feels like it's going to have one of those slow ramp up shows. And then once you get to the point of you're hooked, it's like too late and you're in it. That's what I feel like it's going to do to me. But I just, from the trailer alone, I can't really make a judgment call of how it's going to make me feel and how I'm going to be able to reflect upon it personally. And the other thing I wonder, just as a punny thing, is they should make a spin-off show called F Off Karen. (laughs) I can see it probably will be a slow ramp up because there has to be a lot of 
underlying groundwork done to care about the characters, to care about or to really dislike her husband, to really dislike her life situation. I think it'll kind of be like WandaVision where I found the beginning of WandaVision to be kind of slow. And then as that show ramped up, I was like, wow, this is pretty great. And that's what I'm thinking that we'll get out of this. It could totally be a flop. It could be something that, I mean, we've seen shows where they experiment with something new, they experiment with a new format, and it just doesn't hit home with people. But I mean, even looking at the caliber of shows that AMC usually puts out, I know it's kind of been a little bit dull coming out of like AMC stuff for a while. But I mean, you look at the they brought you Breaking Bad, they brought you The Walking Dead. And I know these these are a little bit different genres, but I think there's potential here. And I think that AMC could be the right place to experiment with something like this because AMC has shown that when they can experiment and try something genre bending, they might actually produce something really, really, really good. They do know how to pull you in, but they also know how to push you away because they don't know when to stop. I feel like this would be one of those shows where there would be a natural ending because, I mean, at some point she's going to have to change her situation. You know, you can't just go through season after season of her trying to escape. (sighs) Yeah, like at some point there's going to be a climax where she changes, either like kills him or leaves him or does something. And I think I feel like this one would have like a natural ending at some point. So I'm intrigued. Color me intrigued. I'd rather watch every episode, her sigh for 30 minutes, and then next episode. She better say, like, I hope, and this is probably too much to ask, because she probably wants to break out from this role, but I really want Annie Murphy to have some kind of, like, Easter egg, like, ew, or something (laughs) like that, you know? Maybe not, ew, David, because I feel like that would be too on the nose, but just something subtle, you know? Just the straight up ew. Yeah, just something like that. Because, I mean, I got to be honest, anything that the Shit's Creek cast puts out from here on out, like, it's an insta-watch. It could be hot garbage. I'm at least going to give it a shot. That's just me. All right. So before we switch gears here, it's a pretty good time for a short little break. But before we do that, we'd like to shout out our Patreon producers, Ben Checkness and Stephen Keller. Ben and Steven are subscribers at our night tier, and they get this awesome shout out every week, as well as access to our monthly secret segment, vlogs, voting, and even guest spots. If you're interested in supporting the online warriors and being as cool as Steven and Ben, head on over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast today. And now a word from this week's sponsor. If you're an avid listener to the online warriors podcast, You know that we're pretty big sports fans when we're not nerding around. This time of year, basketball is one of the prime sports to watch, which is perfect because today's episode is brought to you by the NBA Store. A new year brings the start of a new NBA season. Suit up with the latest gear to show your support for your favorite team. We might be sidelined from going to the arena this year, but that doesn't mean you can't watch basketball from your couch in style. We're teaming up with the NBA and Podgo to bring our listeners up to 75% off on select items. Yes, you heard that right. 75% off. Go to podgo.co slash NBA. That's podgo.co slash NBA for up to 75% off select items from the NBA store. The NBA, where amazing happens. All right. So now, like Tectic said, 
we're switching gears here. We're, we've been talking about movies and TV shows and trailers, and that's great. But we want to talk about some gaming this week, too. Last week, Nintendo held their first full-fledged Direct in months. It was just under an hour long, and during the presentation, they unveiled new fighters for Smash Brothers, a bunch of new releases and indie titles for the Switch, and some exciting big releases that will be coming up soon. While we didn't get any news on Breath of the Wild 2 or the next Metroid installment, which I know Illegal was like very upset about because he's probably the world's biggest Metroid fan, we did get a peek at the next Mario Golf title, a remaster of Skyward Sword, Splatoon 3, and a new project tentatively named Project Triangle. Tactic, how did you feel about the entire Nintendo Direct? And which of those new titles are you most excited about? So as far as the entire Nintendo Direct, I thought it was just kind of okay. A lot of the titles and installments that were released were just kind of meh or didn't resonate with me personally. However, the one thing that I was most excited for was Project Triangle. I enjoy the concept of your team growing based on the decisions you make and the different people that would want to ally with you because of those choices. This hopefully will yield many different outcomes throughout the story, and I also find it interesting as a point of reflection for me personally how I always pick the wise reserve wizard, and you, Nerd Bomber, always pick the outgoing warrior slash hunter, yet our personalities are totally completely swapped to those. Yeah, like in this sort of game, I feel like I would probably lean towards the more logical-minded leaning, I guess. So you think we'd actually resonate with our personalities as opposed to what we aspire to be? Right. I feel like in this sort of game, I would probably go more with my personality, whereas in like a a more RPG, I guess this is technically kind of an RPG too, but like this is, I don't know. It's a good point. This is something interesting to discuss. I like to think that when it comes to like moral decisions and stuff like that, I would probably align more with how I am in real life. But when I'm playing video games... I tend to go the complete opposite because I feel like I probably try to channel things that I wish that I was more like. I don't know. Do you find the same way? Like, I feel like in real life, not that I'm like super timid, but I'm definitely not the person to go rushing like headlong into danger. But my play style in many games is to do just that. I'm always the support role mage, healing everyone, staying back and and doing things tactfully. So not me in real life. I dive in headfirst in real life. Do you think in a game like this where it's a lot more about like your personal moral compass and stuff and you're making more decisions with gravitas and you actually have to stop and like think about implications of things and allies and stuff like that. Do you think that would like you would align more with your typical playing style in like a a first person shooter or that kind of thing? Or would you align more with like your intellectual is not the right word, but like your mental real life state? Like I said, as I when I play video games, I traditionally go to the things I'm not. However, I think it would be an interesting challenge for you and I to both play this game and go with what we personally resonate with and compare and contrast our experiences. I think this would be fun. Hopefully, I know this game is, I mean, the working title is Project Triangle, so it doesn't even necessarily have a concrete title. There is a demo available, I believe, but the full game is not slated to come out for a while. But a lot of the stuff that they showed in this Direct, they said it was games coming out in 2021. So hopefully we see more of it soon, and maybe we can put this to a test. I don't think we put it to the test until the full version is released, because you are not going to get the true depth team that you would get if you play the full version. That's very fair. 
honestly, it, stuff like that reminds me, and this is, this is getting off a tangent from the news, but stuff like this reminds me of games like Disco Elysium, where a lot of, like, it's more thought-provoking choices. And Tactic, you didn't play this, but I, I didn't finish this game, but it was considered a game of the year, one of the most, like, groundbreaking RPGs, and it was a very, like, philosophical, heady game. And I remember struggling with kind of that same thing where I was like, do I want to be like how I would play games normally? But like a lot of it was so philosophical. I felt like I had to play how I would like be in real life. And it yeah, was because if was, you started with being someone who you're not, you'd somehow end up reverting to who you are subconsciously. Right. So I feel like it might with these type of games, it probably would be safe just to be you. Philosophical games are really interesting. And I mean, I find that even when it's like Paragon and Renegade, I feel like I always, I never really go fully one side because I feel like I'm not like that in real life and I end up squarely in the middle. I was 100% Paragon because I cheated on the monkey planet. It's like these little monkey things and gave me infinite Paragon. (laughs) So were there any other titles that stood out to you? Because I know one for me that I was super pumped about was... And you guys will probably think I'm weird, but I was really excited for the Mario Golf title. Like, it looked dope. It reminded me, like, it had the motion controls from, if you guys remember, like, Wii Golfing, I had so much fun with that. I Wii Golfed almost every day. I was, I'm I'm finding that I had a lot of weird obsessions as a kid. Wii Golf was one of them. And getting a chance to do, like, motion control golfing and have that Nintendo atmosphere around a golf game, man... I'm I'm sold. Sign me up. I'm going to play this thing. And she signed up to do it while wearing khakis. So, and a polo. That is what it's now locked in. Everyone heard it. <laughs> khakis and polo. I don't even know if I own khakis and a polo. I do. Khakis and polo. Okay, so I will be wearing Tactics khakis and polo to play the next Mario Golf title when that comes out. The other thing uh, in motion control land... The remaster of Skyward Sword, Skyward Sword HD, they are bringing that game to the Switch and they're bringing the motion controls with it. And I know like the motion control thing was a bone of contention for some people when this game originally came out back on the Wii, right? Was it the Wii or the Wii U? I think it was the Wii. And people didn't like the motion controls. They thought it was like a weird one-off sort of title. Man, I love motion controls. I don't know. It's, I feel like it sets the Switch and Nintendo consoles apart from all of the other consoles that I have. Give me motion controls. Give I did me not like the slicing and dicing with the joystick. Right, I but, thought that was a little awkward. And I think they could have done it better with, you know, your standard view controllers slash move controllers and then just button mashing to do various combos and angles of attack. But you can just get up off the couch and use motion controls instead. I'm not about to get up off of that thing. (laughs) The only thing that we didn't really touch on that was like a major announcement was Splatoon 3. But honestly, and I feel like I might get vilified for this. I've never played a single Splatoon game in my life. Tactic, have you? I never have, never will. And sure, make me my words one day. That's fine. Bring it on, folks. Like, I have nothing against it. It just, there's something about it that just doesn't appeal to me. And I don't know why. I think it's just the multiplayer aspect i gravitate away from those type of games lately even stuff like destruction all-stars all that kind of stuff if there's a multiplayer element eh, it's so stressful i get so worked up with stuff like that you see me i just i swear a lot 
yell the F word at cartoon characters on my screen. Yeah, she basically becomes a, a truck driver, which is interesting and enjoyable, but also scary and terrifying. Well, it gets weird and I feel like very conflicted about it. So if I'm playing Call of Duty, I don't care. I'll, I'll swear all day long. Doesn't matter because it's like gritty and realistic. But something like Fall Guys, which is just disarmingly adorable. And then I'm sitting here like wanting to throw my controller and swear at the screen. Just feels something wrong about that. Something wrong with you. <laughs> wow. Shots fired. So last but certainly not least, we'd just like to quickly touch on some breaking news we got today. Daft Punk has officially broken up. The iconic Electronica group announced today that they'd be splitting up after nearly 30 years together. Their music has been featured in movies, games, TV shows, etc. And man, so, so many more places. Nerd Bomber, any favorite memories that you have of Daft Punk music as we bid them adieu? I feel like, like you said, Daft Punk has been a soundtrack of so many things. And I remember playing countless video games and having it in the background but one of my favorite experiences with Daft Punk was back when I was in college well we were in college but it was before I met you so but we had like me and a couple friends made an impromptu road trip to try to get like a, a regional food item that we didn't have at our, at our local it wasn't local but like around our college so we decided to just hop in the car and drive and the only CD. Yes, this is back when CD players were in cars, folks. The only CD that we had in the car was the Daft Punk album. And so we played it like the entire drive over and over on repeat. But it was so much fun because it was just this like really fun electronic backdrop to a really fun adventure in the middle of the night. And it was like a fairly innocent thing. Like we weren't drinking. We just like were on a road trip to get food. It felt a lot like Harold and Kumar go to White Castle minus all of the drugs and with better food than White Castle. So that will always be my favorite memory of Daft Punk. And it'll be sad to see them go, but they will live on. For me, Daft Punk wasn't really a music so much as it was a mood. They, whenever I played it, it, it made me more productive. It made me motivated. It kind of got me up off the floor and... I would study, I would clean, I would do things that didn't make me feel like a potato at the end of the day. And that was just the mood. And what's great is, sure, they're splitting up, but all good things come to an end. And in the end of the end, their music will be around forever, no matter what happens. Very fair point. That's pretty much it for all of our news this week. Hopefully you guys are now caught up on all of your news and movies and tv trailers and all that fun stuff and you're ready to talk about what we've been up to for the last week tactic i'll kick it over to you first what have you been up to this week so i have not been listening to daft punk and as such i have been a potato and so one of the main things that i have been up to is been watching modern family always a great show to tune into binge watching wandavision another great show to tune into, which we need to talk about a little bit more, and playing Sackboy with Nerd Bomber. Those are my three basic things. Hopefully I didn't take all of her things from her because we did them <laughs> all together. But circling back to, to WandaVision, holy cow. Warning, warning, warning. Bunch of spoilers about to be had, but we got introduced to a slew of new characters Actually, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but holy cow, we got introduced to a, 
a slew of new characters, one that we knew was there, but their powers were revealed, hint, hint, shove, shove, and the other one that we didn't know, but their true identity was revealed, which, again, craziness. So, I highly recommend watching WandaVision if you haven't seen it. I am not going to spoil it. I changed my mind. Nerd Bomber? There are so many things that I would love to spoil. Like, so many things just watching WandaVision that were mind-blowing. And we were a little behind, so, like, we kind of knew some of the stuff was coming, but they were still mind-blowing, kind of twisty, turny things. The one thing that I will say, so, like, by now, this isn't really too much of a spoiler. By now, you know that, like, each episode of WandaVision progresses through a different decade of television. And I will say, Elizabeth Olsen, in the last episode, they kind of had, like, a modern family feel. And she nailed julie bowen's mannerisms in her like you know how they have like the interview bits in modern family she nailed is that claire yes okay like it was uncanny it was incredible and especially since we were watching modern family for the past few weeks it was just it was so great it felt like the perfect collision of worlds and i loved it mad props to elizabeth olsen 10 out of 10 job acting in this entire thing, like even going through all of these different decades and being able to kind of slightly morph her character and mannerisms to fit the different decades of WandaVision. Mad props. Yeah, that can't be easy. Right. So good on her. The other major thing that I do want to talk about a little bit. So I've been talking about Assassin's Creed Valhalla and how I've been basically playing that since December. It's been a while. I've put almost 100 hours into the game, and dang damn it, I finally finished it. And it was really good. And now it feels like... So I was ready to be done with it for a while. I think I've complained the last few weeks on the show about how I keep thinking I'm done, but then I'm not. A new thing, a new like section of the world opens up to me, and I have new missions. But man, now that it's over, I kind of miss it a little bit. And I know I can do like side missions, but I'm not I'm not that type of person. Like the main story is done. I put the game down for the most part. But the world was incredible. The story came to a really great end, I think. Like there were a lot of emotional stakes towards the end of the story. A lot of good character growth. I felt really like connected to Avor as the main character. The only my only complaint about the end of the game was that you never really officially roll credits. And so you like there's kind of like a climax of the story, a nice little ending send-off scene, and then you just spawn back in your longhouse and it's like, okay, you can do more side missions. And it would have been super satisfying if they just chose that moment to roll credits. Kind of like you like you see with a lot of other open world games, like Spider-Man was a big one, where yeah, you can go back and you can do all the side missions you didn't do, but at least you get that really satisfying roll credit scene. That was the only thing that I missed. That's my only suggestion to how they could improve the game. There were some like glitchy things throughout the game, like characters' mouths not moving when they spoke, background music not switching after you left a battle, which kind of threw off the tone of some scenes. But overall, super good game. If you can get it on sale now especially, man, easily 100 hours of really good entertainment. And now I want to read about Viking stuff. The mythology, Norse mythology is great, but like if anybody knows any like real world Viking stuff, Viking books or stories to read, 
the the concept of you know Vikings leaving their homeland and trying to conquer England more or less is super interesting to me now that I've spent a hundred hours in this world and I want more. So hit me up at OW Nerd Bummer if you know any good Viking books. Because so you're gonna here. say at Odin's son. That too. I wish I was Odin. Kind of. I was a female Eivor, but I was kind of Odin's son for a hundred hours. It's fun. Good stuff. So with that, let's roll into the quiz. All right. So we have a little bit of a different format because we knew a little bit in advance that Illegal wasn't going to be with us. So we have a true and false style quiz because it's a one person quiz. And this week's quiz is all about polar bears. You love them. They're adorable. There's videos of polar bear cubs rolling around being roly poly. Tactic, let's see how much you know about polar bears. How do I win? So right now, I have six total questions. If you can get four of the six correct, you win. And these are all true and false. Okay, let's see if illegal is bad luck. Okay. So the first one, polar bear hairs are actually transparent. True or false? True. Wow, that was fast. You got that right off the bat. You are actually correct. So the little bit of context behind this Each individual polar bear hair is actually completely transparent and pigment-free, and the only reason that it appears white to the human eye is because it reflects and scatters visible light. So all that we see is white. So, very interesting, polar bear hair, completely transparent. Moving on to the next question. Cubs stay with their mothers for five years after they're born. True or false? That one is false. All right, you're on a roll here. The cubs will stay with their mother for only about two years, during which time they learn all of the skills needed to be a bear in the Arctic. You know, they learn bear things. So, Tectic, you currently have two. You only need to get two more questions right. You have four questions left. How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling good. All those times taking the zoo books out of the library as a child might be paying off. (laughs) All right. So the next question, let's see if you can tap into your zoo book for this one. Polar bears hibernate for a third of the year. True or false? I thought that was false as well. Is that your final answer? Yes. All right. You're one point away from winning the trivia this week. You are correct. Polar bears actually do not hibernate at all, unlike other bears. Yeah, I thought they were one of the few that don't, and that's why. Yeah. You're right. They instead, they do sort of like a walking hibernation thing. So they're like awake, but they can actually, their body can like reserve energy and they can spend up to four months without eating if food isn't available, which unfortunately with the state of the polar ice caps, they might have to do more walking hibernation than they used to. Sad days for polar bears. Okay. So next question. Now you have three questions. If you get all three of these wrong, I would be shocked. I'm confident for you, Tactic. Polar bears are the largest species of bear. True or false? Yes, that's true. Man, you won. You swept this. That, gonna... Everyone knows that. I didn't know that. I thought there were like the... It's not over. I didn't sweep it yet, technically. Okay, okay, okay. You, you hold that broom button up right now. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, apparently everybody knew this. I didn't know this. But they are the largest species of bear on Earth. They're also the largest predatory carnivore on Earth as well. The largest polar bear ever recorded was found in Alaska, 
and weighed 2,200 pounds. Fun fact, they say if you run across a black bear, make yourself big. If you run across a grizzly bear, make yourself small, go into a little ball. If you run into a polar bear, sorry. It's literally the facts. <laughs> All right. So the next one, polar bears take baths in the snow, true or false? This feels like a fun one that you try to make me think is false. This one, I have no idea, but I'm going to go true. All right. You were right. This is a fun one. I thought I could trip you up. They do. They just, this is very simple. They just roll around in the snow. That's how they clean themselves. That's it. Snow baths, fun stuff. So tactic, you are one away from a sweep here. Don't make me nervous. You're making me nervous. Okay. No pressure here. Most of the world's polar bears live in Canada. True or false? I wish I had Jeopardy music on our soundboard. I have a 50-50 shot. The stigma is that, is that they're all in Antarctica. And that's why this feels like something that could be a trick question. And that it might be true. But I'm going to go with my gut and say most of them live in Antarctica and it's, a, and it's false. You almost had this sweet man. You almost, but you, you, you didn't. This last question. You should have gone with the trick and said this is true. Wrong, wrong button. Anyway, I tried to steal it. it. (laughs) You cannot steal the sweep. So, fun fact: polar bears are in five different countries in the world. You can find them in the United States. You can find them in Norway, Canada, Denmark, and Russia. And of all of those countries, those five countries, two thirds of all polar bears live in Canada. Up in Quebec, somewhere in Canada, probably closer to the Antarctic. I feel like if there were polar bears in Quebec, there would be a lot of really scared people running around that city. It's just fun to say Quebec. So, Tectic, you still won, even though you didn't get the sweep. So we'll mark you down as a win. Illegal is the stat keeper, so I don't have the full stats for you, but this is a notch on your way to winning it all. So how do you feel? Feeling good. Feeling good. I'm not upset about that last one because I learned something. Otherwise, I would have been a know-it-all. That's very true. No know-it-alls on this show. So thank you guys for listening in to another episode of the Online Warriors podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, all of your support. We hope you guys learned something and enjoyed these discussions. And we'll talk at you next week. Be sure to like, subscribe to Zoo Books. (laughs) All right. Have a good week, everybody.